Hey, hey, thanks for joining me on the Meg Ellison Show. My guest this morning, pharmacist Ben Fuchs, is back with us, taking your calls. I've got a few of you on hold, so I'm going to try to do some technological acrobatics and get this <laughs> rolling. Good morning. You're on with Ben. Oh, thank you, Meg. Hello, Ben. My name Hello is there. Joe, and, and, and God bless you. You just do so much for so many people. Thank you're you're just fantastic. Thank you. So, no problem. Uh, my question is probably pretty short and sweet. Um, I'm overweight. I'm about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, I'm running right now around 236, though I was 260 at my heaviest. Uh, I have been diagnosed with fatty liver. Okay. Uh, okay. And my doctor really kind of just kind of brushed it away a yeah, little bit. Yeah. But as I looked it up a little bit, it's not something you should really brush away. I no, think. it's not. It's not. And they do brush it away. You're absolutely correct. They say it's normal. It is not normal. Although uh, probably a third, 100 million or maybe more, 120, 130 million Americans do have a fatty liver. Look, the liver right. does a lot of work. And one of, the work, one of the things it does is it helps process fats. However, when uh, it's stressed and when it's burdened, uh, it doesn't process fats as effectively, and they start to accumulate within the liver, and they can disturb liver functioning, and because the liver is so darn important, that is a big problem. The number right. one cause of fatty liver is, and by the way, they used to call it alcoholic fatty liver, because only right. alcoholics would get fatty livers. Right. Today, they call it non-alcoholic fatty liver, or non-alcoholic right. uh, hepatosis, I think, which is NASH, N-A-S-H, you may have heard that term, uh, they have to say they have to make a distinction because now everybody's getting fatty liver when only alcoholics got it 50 years right, ago. Right. So the number one cause is a condition called metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is a blood sugar problem. Now, if you're drinking alcohol, that can be an issue, and you got to right. wean yourself off or even eliminate it ideally. Uh, right. And and then uh, if you're on drugs, prescription or otherwise, that can put a burden on the liver. It's very important to keep in mind. The liver processes prescription drugs. So if right. folks who are taking multiple prescription drugs, that can be a problem for the liver. And I, and so, I do. I'm a type 2 diabetic, and I have a handful well, of things I take You're a type every 2 diabetic. That's what, yes. what I was telling you. Is The number one cause is blood sugar. That's the right. number one cause of fatty liver. It's associated with metabolic syndrome, which is a blood sugar condition. So what you've got to do, my friend, is you've got to get that blood sugar under control. The best way to do it, and the only way to do it, really, is with food and nutritional supplementation. So you probably know the drill with foods, but you might not know that potatoes and rice, and these are foods that the American Diabetic Association says are good for you, are not good for you. Bread and cereal and, and starchy foods are best avoided, or at least, uh, or at least minimized. Right. You might want to practice something, uh, employ something called the ketogenic diet, which is a very, very low-calorie relatively high fat and relatively high protein diet that is based in low calories. Calories are not your friend. Once you get a certain amount of calories, about 1,000 to 1,200 calories a day, that's all you really need. You may want to start experimenting with uh, paying attention to when your body is satisfied. You know, we eat way past the point of satiety, way okay. past the point of satisfaction. You'll notice, no matter how hungry you are, three or four or five bites of food are all you need to not be hungry. And everything after that be, uh, requires work by the body and the liver to process. 
So right. minimizing the amount of food you eat is very important. Minimizing the amount of refined yeah. carbohydrates and sugars is also very important. Yeah, and, and that's also, what I've been and that's what I've been doing now. And that's, that's how you that's lost the weight. Helped, help, that's helped the weight. Yes, that's probably how you lost the weight. But there's also nutritional supplements you could take. Some very valuable ones for the liver as well as for blood sugar: chromium, vanadium, zinc, selenium, and sulfur. Very important minerals for for the liver, for the blood sugar system, for a lot of things. Then there are uh, essential fatty acids, particularly omega-3 essential fatty acids, also very important for the liver as well as for blood sugar. And then uh, there's also vitamins that are very important. One of the most important vitamins for blood sugar issues. Everybody out there who is either diabetic or pre-diabetic or just has messed up blood sugar should know that the vitamin we talked about earlier is vital, critical, essential for people who have blood sugar problems like yourself, and that's thiamine, vitamin B1. In fact, I would be taking a very special form of vitamin, of thiamine, called benfotiamine. I'll spell that for you. B-E-N-F-O-T-I-A-M-I-N-E. That's a specialized form of thiamine that is even more effective, and it's very important. And it can be helpful it, for people who it, have blood sugar. Is that available? Absolutely. Um, food store. Uh, in the health store? Or? Inter- internet health food store, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's I, also, what I'm trying to get to is actually with with what I'm doing with anything I'm taking now. I'm trying to get to more natural instead of the big pharma type uh, things that they're giving to me. Absolutely. And then yeah. don't forget niacin. Uh, it's mm-hmm. also very important for the blood sugar system. Vitamin okay. B3, niacin. Uh, and then uh, in addition to all of that, one of the best strategies, if not the best, but one of the best at least, for keeping your blood sugar concentration low is drinking water. Water dilutes your blood sugar. And so first thing in the morning when your blood sugar tends to be concentrated, drink water. As soon as you get up in the morning, two or three glasses, especially cold water, will wake you up. I love a product, which I know if you, I think you may have heard me talk about this, called Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity. It is absolutely spectacular for energy, for satiety, inducing satiety and helping you eat less food. And just as an overall, uh, overall nutrient-dense supplement, you can get that uh, from Longevity. It's called Beyond Tangy Tangerine. Oh, so focus well, on the blood. The blood sugar is really where the problem lies. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks, and I'll, I'll listen to the podcast, and I'll get everything you said down. Right. And uh, and I'll, I'll I'll research it online because I'm like I said, I'm trying to get get away from the me, the pharmacy type medicines and go good a little more you. natural. That, and so. sounds like you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work, Joe. Hey, God bless you, Ben. Thank you so much, and and thank you, Meg. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You you as well. Thank Thank you. you. Okay, so, Ben, I wanted to ask you this because my ears perked up when you said niacin. I don't know if you heard this, but we were just reporting this in the news today, and I thought, Yeah, about the heart? Yeah, give me a break. About the heart? Yes. Do you believe that, what they're saying? I well, don't no, I don't believe it. Well, who no, funded the study? That's yeah, a, I'd, like, I'd a like heart, to see that. Niacin is incredibly bad. You know, niacin is the one vitamin. Most vitamins, in fact, all vitamins, are said to be essential because you have to get them from the diet. Your body can't make them. Niacin is so important for the body that the body will actually make it under deficiency conditions. Now, it won't make a lot of it, but it will make a little bit. And that's the one vitamin that's so important for the body that, uh, that it will actually make some niacin. Uh, niacin deficiency is known to cause a, a health challenge called pellagra. And pellagra is, if you go to medical school, they tell you pellagra is the four Ds. The four Ds are diarrhea, dermatitis, dementia, and death. 
So the four Ds of pellagra, the four Ds of niacin deficiency. Now, you don't have to have full-blown diarrhea, dementia, and dermatitis to, uh, and death to exhibit the signs of niacin deficiency. You may just have a little stomach problems or intestinal problems. You may be forgetful, or you may have some emotional issues, some mental health issues. Or, and by the way, niacin has been used to treat social anxiety disorder. Uh, or you may have uh, some skin problems. You know, uh, down south after the Civil War, they ate a lot of corn, uh, and they didn't get a lot of protein. Niacin is found in high-protein foods, so they suffered from niacin deficiency. And when they went out in the sun, they would get rashes, especially in the thin skin around their neck. And this is where we get the term rednecks from people suffering from niacin deficiency. Pellagra is marked by redness of the skin. And people uh, in the southern states would get this condition, and they got called rednecks. And that's where we get that term from. You know, I was just wondering if perhaps Big Pharma funded this study on being against niacin because it would prevent people from actually yeah. taking niacin and having to take one of their drugs instead. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Niacin actually is quite important for the heart, and it's also important for the blood sugar system, as I mentioned, plus uh, skin and, and the brain and um, and the digestive system, too. Yeah, everything that's reported, I know, view with you got to be a little skeptical. Yeah, yeah you, Well, you're in the news. You're in the news, so you know. Most well, people most people aren't. Most people trust everything they hear, you know. you got to be very careful about what you hear on the news. That's mainstream information, and uh, the mainstream is more often than not wrong. I, I mean, I frankly, I I trust little in this you know in this right. day and age, and I, I think yeah. part of it had so much to do with the. I mean, it was it was an awakening after we went through. I like to call it the shamdemic, but this yeah. this idea that yeah. as opposed to encouraging Americans to get outdoors and get yeah. natural vitamin D and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and stop going to your health clubs or stop going to the gym, you know, during this whole shamdemic and, and, and yeah. leaving the fast food restaurants open. <laughs> yeah. And Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, Walmart the, and McDonald's where they were all open. Yeah, the I, I, I cracked me up. Everybody wanted to stay, you know, they were social distancing and wearing the mask Ridiculous. and staying in the house and getting injected, but the lines at the Taco Bell were just as long as ever. They were longer than ever before. Right, right. And, <laughs> and I mean, it, it's so strange to me how people didn't stop and think about how yeah. ridiculous yeah. and absurd it was. And that, yeah. I mean, frankly, it's like uh, suspending all logic to, yeah. to go along with what it is recommended. It does suspend logic. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, if you'd like to, if you've got a question for Pharmacist Ben Fuchs, while I have, well, I still have a little bit of time, 715-845-2155, got a health concern, health-related question, here's your opportunity to do so. In the meantime, wanted to talk to you about, you know, just, uh, I mean, how how your emotions and how your yes. your attitude yes. affects even even a a diagnosis that you weren't expecting absolutely there's you know there's a condition called white coat hypertension have you heard of this no i haven't white coat hypertension is high blood pressure that is the end result of people wearing white coats <laughs> uh, you know and of course that means the doctor yeah right the doctor comes in takes your blood pressure and you freak out because he's taking your blood pressure, he's got a white coat, and you're in the doctor's office, and all the fear, uh, all the potential fear that that represents, uh, all the potential problems that that represents, and your blood pressure goes up. Elevated blood pressure is a classic sign 
of uh, hyperactive sympathetic nervous system. And they call it, by the way, there's this condition that most high blood pressure is said to be, which is essential hypertension. Have you heard that term, essential hypertension? I, I've only heard hypertension. Okay, so hypertension means high blood pressure. Uh, but most, most high blood pressure, most hypertension is said to be essential hypertension, which I love that phrase because that means it's just, a, it's just part of you. It's just part of your nature. Sure. In other words, they don't know what's causing it. Well, I'm telling you it's causing it. It's the sympathetic nervous system. It's the fear response that we all have been, uh, we've all been gifted with by our culture. Our culture engenders fear. Our culture takes advantage of fear. You know, the, uh, this uh, whole idea of fear that's built into our culture started uh, very early in the Industrial Revolution. When the Industrial Revolution hit, for the first time in human history, we had more goods then we had needs. We could produce things really fast. Before the Industrial Revolution, there were needs, but there weren't a lot of goods. But once we figured out how to manufacture things, all of a sudden we had more goods than we had needs. So we had to figure out a way to sell these goods. So you know what they did? They made people scared. They said, you are not going to have any friends if you don't buy this deodorant. You're gonna, people aren't going to talk to you if you don't have a brand new car or if you don't have new clothes, or you don't have the right makeup or the right skin. So we all live our lives thinking we're not good enough wow. so that we can buy deodorant, so we can be sold deodorant. Uh, you know, I'm using that as, an, uh, right. as a representative, but it's all the things that we, we're told we need to have because we're told we're not okay without them. Wow. We have to learn that we're okay because we're God's children. Yes. We have to learn that we're okay because we're spiritually connected. And this is why I said earlier that when Christ talked about being saved, what we really want to hear is we want to feel safe. And we get saved or safe by connecting or plugging into spirituality, by understanding the mental and emotional nature of the fear response, as well as taking care of our physical needs through the uh, quality food and water and air and all the things that we need to do from a physical perspective. And by the way, let me tell you something about fear and these negative emotions that suppress the immune system. The, the body doesn't really have emotions. Emotions are mental. You see, when we have a, a feeling in our body, we label that feeling based on our experience. But you'll notice that every time you have a negative emotion, like fear, we'll say, or worry, that it really starts off as a tingle in your belly, or sometimes in your chest, or maybe even in your throat. And then we immediately label that tingle as uh, a, a negative sensation based on our history. So emotions are just labels of energy that is neutral. And if we can remove the label off the emotion and go back to the sensation, the feeling in the body, all emotions, all negative emotions can be neutralized. Because there's really only one energy in the body. It's a tingle. Think about it. Think about the next, uh, right now, Meg, something that distresses you, and you'll notice it starts off with a tingle in your belly or in your chest or in your throat, and then you immediately label it. And you say, oh, that's a, I'm depressed, or oh, I'm jealous, or oh, I'm scared. But it really just starts off as a tingle. Mm -hmm. It just starts off as a physical sensation. If we can remove the label, remove the story, remove the description of the sensation and return just to the physical feeling that precedes the label, all emotions can be neutralized. Ben Fuchs, you're a rock star. Okay, so we're going to take a few more calls while we have time. 715-845-2155 if you'd like to join the conversation. Good morning. You're on with Megan Ben. Hello there. Hi. Hi. 
Um, I have a question about what supplements I should be taking for hip bursitis. Hip bursitis. Bursitis is a uh, itis. Whenever you hear itis, that means inflammation. And bursitis is inflammation of the bursa, which is uh, a covering on the muscles. And so when you say you have hip bursitis, it's really an inflammatory condition that's affecting the muscles. What is all inflammation? The, or protective response, either to damage or to something that's getting into the bloodstream through injection or through food. So if there's damage there, there's things that you can do. Uh, I'm assuming it's not a severe damage, so you know, you're not going to be hospitalized or have surgical procedure. But what you may want to do is have some body work done. Body work is very important for releasing fiber, uh, fiber formation and scar tissue. As we get older and we walk, we walk differently or we suffer from minor injuries, we start to develop scar tissue and fibrosis, and that can result in pain. And there's body work strategies. My favorite one is called Rolfing, R-O-L-F-I-N-G, that helps break up that scar tissue. And you know what? Everybody needs body work, especially as we get older, whether it's massage or whether it's Rolfing or whether it's Reiki or some kind of physical therapy. So that's the first thing you want to do if there's any fibrosis or scar tissue, which there likely is. Then there are nutritional strategies. Number, uh, number one, as always, is eliminating problem foods. Again, once problem foods get into the bloodstream, uh, they can activate the immune system, and this can cause inflammation. And that's, uh, that's step number one from a physical per, uh, next to the body work is to eliminate problem foods. Then there are wonderful nutritional supplements you could use. Probably the most important are what I call nature's aspirin, nutritional aspirin, and that is the essential fatty acids, which we mentioned earlier. Essential fatty acids are natural aspirins, natural anti-inflammatories. And for folks who are taking aspirin as a blood thinner, essential fatty acids work just as well. People who are taking aspirin for pain, essential fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. So uh, omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids. I like a product called the Ultimate EFAs from Longevity. Another very interesting strategy for reducing inflammation in the joints is the use of digestive enzymes. Now, digestive enzymes, obviously, you can tell from the name, are important for digestion. If you take them with food, they'll help you digest your food. But if you take your digestive enzymes on an empty stomach, they can have wonderful anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving properties. So get yourself on a good uh, uh, digestive enzyme supplement, but take it on an empty stomach. In addition to taking it with food, and everybody should be using a good digestive enzyme supplement to help with digestion, but if you take it on an empty, empty stomach, it can help with inflammation. And by the way, folks who are going into surgery should know that if you take digestive enzymes on an empty stomach pre-surgery, maybe for a week or so or two weeks, and post-surgery, you will have better prognosis from your surgical procedure, and you'll uh, heal much quicker. Uh, and then also there's um, uh, vitamin E is a wonderful anti-inflammatory, great for folks who are not only dealing with arthritis or, or bursitis, like you say, but also for athletes. Using vitamin E post-workout can help reduce inflammation, uh, maybe 200 to 400 international units a day of vitamin E. Vitamin C is wonderfully anti-inflammatory, and that's one of those vitamins that we all need much more than we're getting. And then you might want to consider something called MSM, which is a form of sulfur, which also has uh, not just uh, anti-inflammatory properties, but also tissue-building properties, along with glucosamine, which is both anti-inflammatory and tissue-building, and one of my all-time favorite anti-arthritis, anti-bursitis, anti-inflammatory foods is bone soup, or bone broth, they call it today, where you make chicken soup 
with uh, with real chicken, not not Campbell's, but you'd actually put the chicken in a pot and make soup out of it. Not only is that great for arthritis and bursitis and inflammatory issues, but it's also great for your skin and will prevent wrinkles, and it's also great for the immune system. That's why they call it Jewish penicillin. All right, so i got to let you go. Thank you. Uh, what was your first Thank name? Thank you very much. Thank Jen. you. Jen. Jen, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And, uh, Ben, thank you for joining me, as always. God bless you. Thank you, Meg. And look forward to our next conversation. May it be sooner than later. Praise God. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you. You too. God bless you. Going to the 10 o'clock news, followed by my next guest this morning, Wendy Mahoney from Undercover DC. Stay tuned. (laughs) 